Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Joining us by Skype, Chris Deaton, Deputy Online Editor of the Weekly Standard. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad today, just monitoring Twitter as we are wont to do nowadays. You know, you'd think that um, after a year's worth of the president's tweets that uh, he would have lost the ability to capture people's attention, to shock them, to discombobulate, but he finds a way. And a lot of times he does it, Eric, through these torrents of tweets. I think that's what sometimes makes us scratch our heads. We're not pondering one message that he sends at a time. He'll send five or six in the span of one morning and everybody wakes up to X, Y, and Z. The X, Y, and Z today, he retweeted a couple of incendiary videos from a quite incendiary official uh, of a British far-right offshoot uh, of the British National Party. He followed that up by picking up on uh, the Matt Lauer news and began to go after NBC executives, suggesting more firings. How about Phil Griffin? And then all of a sudden, he ends up picking up on Joe Scarborough and this uh, not really ever bothered to debunk conspiracy theory because there was just never any weight to it to begin with about the death of a former staffer of his 15 or 16 years ago that the far left picked up on. So it was a very, very strange morning with those... Uh, tweets coming one by one by one. Now, you know, the problem with retweeting especially is you get all of the baggage that comes with whoever you got what you were retweeting Mm -hmm. from. Is there any sense that the president stops to think that he's advertising, amplifying the views of crazy people when he retweets? I don't think the president ever thinks that, no. I mean, sometimes it it, it would perhaps be a calculated move if that were his intent. I, of course, can't get inside of his head and and ponder that. But just on the face of it, he has done this type of thing, Eric, so much. He did it during the campaign um, when it came to retweeting some people who were alt-right sympathetic or people that were uh, really kind of affiliated with the movement itself. And people worried, critics worried, well, does the president actually realize that he's giving a platform to these people with these views that are so far out of the mainstream and harmful to the public discourse and harmful to uh, the way we do you know, more mainstream business in this country? You see that kind of thing happen again today with something like this. And I do think there are strains of thought that he would have in common to a certain extent with British National Party types when it comes to hard immigration crackdowns. I mean, how many times have we seen him tweet about the travel ban? When it comes to the explosiveness of the rhetoric of some of these people, now he hasn't gone that far, uh, but maybe there are certain ideological similarities. It's just a matter of extremity. But you know, usually in a White House, there are people who are serious and seriously thinking about the ramifications of everything a president says and does. So right now you have a tottering conservative party in Britain with Theresa May, who's tried to be friendly to Trump, is under a lot of pressure to distance herself completely. Um, and here Trump does things that really hurt U.S. relations with Great Britain at a time of uh, tremendous pressure on those relations. And you get the sense that the president, not only does he not think about these things, he doesn't have anybody around him to say, wait a second, you need to think about this. Mm -hmm. 
And at that point, Eric, I wonder if it's a question of capacity or capability. You know, is there a chief of staff? Is there an aide at all who is capable of reining him in when it comes to this sort of stuff? I think earlier in the year uh, when Steve Bannon was an influence around the White House and he was in the president's ear, he had a forum with the president. Uh, he's no longer in the White House. So you wonder how much does the president just has has grown accustomed to this sort of behavior. And this is what he truly thinks, because uh, when he's out there retweeting this type of stuff from Britain first, which I keep bringing up um, the British National Party, this Britain first thing is kind of the offshoot of it. That's an issue today. Uh, but there are some ideological overlaps there when it comes to culture, immigration, anti-Islamic rhetoric. When he does this type of stuff, yeah, that absolutely is the question that get that, that you have to think of. Who is actually going to be able to rein him in? And at some point, I think you just have to accept that Trump's going to be Trump no matter what a lot of times. Although, if you can damage relations with Britain, what else can you damage when you're in your jammies early morning before <laughs> you've gotten out of bed and just like letting it rip with Twitter? Who knows? We are discovering powers of Twitter that I'm not sure any of us ever realized existed prior to the president's ascendancy. It's just absolutely incredible. Of course, we've you know, seen the platform grow into a massively influential uh, utility for journalists. And when it comes to social movements, you think, you know, back to the Arab Spring is a common example that gets brought up. But now all of a sudden its implications on politics have just absolutely been extraordinary. Chris Deaton, Twitter user and deputy <laughs> online editor of the Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. All right. Thanks much, Eric. Support for the Daily Standard podcast comes from RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. What does that mean? Their bars are made with 100% whole ingredients. In 2013, RX Bar called BS on protein bars. There was not a protein bar out there that wasn't full of artificial ingredients, fillers, preservatives. That's why RX Bar set out to create a new kind of protein bar with a few simple, clean ingredients where every ingredient serves a purpose. RX Bar labels the core ingredients, such as egg whites, dates, and nuts, on the front of the package and the ingredients that make up texture and taste on the back, 100% real cacao, coconut, etc., Beyond being a go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX bars actually taste delicious. Surprise, creating a protein bar made from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than anything out there. You don't need the fillers, the additives, the chemicals, or the added sugar. RX bars' core ingredients do all the talking. It's simply like eating three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds. RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free. There are no artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. The delicious flavors include chocolate sea salt, peanut butter, blueberry, mint chocolate, and more. My favorite is the blueberry. RX bars are great for breakfast on the go, snacks at the office, throw in your bag for the plane, or to toss in your backpack for a bike ride or a hike. RX bar has a special offer for listeners of the Daily Standard podcast. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash standard and enter promo code standard. Again, that's rxbar.com slash standard and enter the promo code standard for 25% off. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.